Hallelujah. Good morning. Are y'all ready? Awesome. Good. Glory to God. Good, good, good. I want to go over just a couple of things before we get going this morning and uh, praise the Lord for everything. Did you, anybody receive anything out of Brother Tracy this week? Yeah. Did you get something? Oh, man. It was awesome. I mean, I think on Tuesday night, uh, that was probably the most glorious meeting that we've had in 11 and a half years in Boomerang. I mean, it was just tremendous what the Lord did. And if you were here, did you notice how uh, it came? It was already good. I mean, it was, a great, it was a great meeting. But then as we just waited and we weren't in a rush, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I just want to say to everybody, and, and Barrett mentioned this a second ago, everybody that performed any uh, form of responsibility, any volunteer, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, because these things don't happen without all of us. And uh, we're a body and a family, and I just want to say thank you to everybody that did anything on any level whatsoever, even if all you did was smile at somebody that was coming in the door. That's something, that's a big thing actually, is to show the love of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, just wanted to tell you that. Now, let me ask, uh, give you a couple of things. Uh, next week, we've been talking about it. We're going to take up a special offering uh, for ICCF. That's International Covenant Connections Fellowship. And uh, you may not know it, but you're actually a part of that. Nicole and I are on the board of that fellowship. It's a ministerial affiliation. And uh, what they do is they teach and train pastors and ministers literally all around the world. And uh, so next week, you're going to receive two envelopes as you walk in. Uh, you don't have to give anything, but what I want you to do is seek the Lord on what he would have you to do. You know, when you sow into a pastor or a minister, you're sowing into their whole body, and that's what this fellowship does, and we're going to take up a special offering to be a blessing so that they can fulfill the vision uh, that they're called to, and so that'll be next week. Just seek the Lord, and whatever the Lord puts on your heart, do that, no matter how big or how small. Uh, and then the word says this, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. That's a promise from God. And so you just say, the Lord knows what you have. He knows what you need. He knows what's going on in your life. And you just say, Lord, I open myself up to you. What would you have me to give in this special offering? And then just be willing and obedient with that, and uh, you'll be blessed. Amen? Now let me ask you this question. So Matthew 6, says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So in other words, when we make the kingdom of God first in our lives, God says, I'm going to add everything you need to your life, right? But now, let me ask you this question. What would God consider important in this time and in this age? What would the Lord consider important? Souls, glory to God, we're almost at 1,600 souls for the year. How, even with the lockdown, commitments to Christ, almost 1,600, even with lockdown. That's awesome. I, I just give God glory for a people that are hungry to win souls. The word says he who wins souls is wise, and he says that he pays 
his reapers or his harvesters wages. In other words, when we win souls, God says, I'm going to make sure that uh, your needs and desires are met. And uh, there, there are results to that. But think about that. Think about the Lord sitting up in heaven in it, on his throne. What does he want in this time? What does God the Father want in this time out of you and I? He wants us, right? He wants us. He wants his kingdom built. What does that look like? Well, go make disciples. Win souls. Make disciples. Be fruitful. So if this is the heart of God, because everything that we do on this earth to be fruitful, right, it's going to add to his kingdom. And what he's after is building his kingdom. Why? So that people will be blessed and they'll be saved in eternity. You see? Everything that we do to be fruitful. So here, here's a question for you. If I teach you how to be born again and how to win other people, will that help the kingdom advance? Yeah, in order to advance it and you be fruitful and a part of it, you have to learn how to do it, right? If I teach you how to uh, be healed in divine health and how to administer divine health, does that advance the kingdom? If you apply it, yes. Many times people will learn these things, but they never apply it. Actually, the American church has been really not too great on this. We'll sit and amen and everything, but then we're not been producing, and that's part of what we've seen in our, in our country over the last you know, 10, 20 years is we've seen a moral decline because we've applauded the message, but we've not allowed it to change us, and we've not allowed it to produce fruit. But it's time for an awakening, and it's time to produce fruit. God is after his kingdom being advanced, but the question is, what are we doing about it? Because we can say we agree with kingdom advancement all day long, but what are we doing about it? Well, here's what you can do about it. Wouldn't you like to know what you can do about it? And be, in the eyes of God, somebody that he can say, well done, good and you know, faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Anybody want to hear those words from your Savior? Oh my goodness, me too. Here's what you can do. Next weekend is our Holy Ghost weekend. We have it once a month. On the, the weekend that has the second Sunday of the month, we have a Holy Ghost weekend. On Friday night, nothing major happens in the kingdom of God without prayer. And on Friday night from 6 p.m., it's this Friday, this Friday, 6 p.m. to midnight, we come and we pray. And I tell you what, the Holy Ghost has poured out on those meetings. When we come, you know, when you purpose yourself after the heart of God, Lord, I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do the work that's required of me, and I'm going to come and I'm going to pray. And God says, oh, look at them. He says, they're after my kingdom. They're after my righteousness. Oh, add some stuff to them. Add some stuff to them, right? That's who he is. He's already made that promise. Doesn't it make sense? Man, the glory is poured out on those prayer meetings. And then on Saturday at 1 p.m., we're going to have Soul Winning Saturday. Last month, we had 30 people that trained to go win souls, and we went out for an hour, came back, because many it was their first time. In an hour, we had, what, 58 commitments to Christ. That's fruit. And then on Sunday, we'll have our amazing Sunday morning service, 
in the time of God. And then that afternoon at 4 p.m., we'll have our Holy Spirit service. We come in early and we let God do what God wants to do. Lord, we're here for you. And God will pour out again. Now, what is that doing? As it builds us and we apply it, then the kingdom is advanced. And God says, when you seek first me, what I'm up to, you grow in me. You, become, you learn how to be more fruitful. He says, I'll add the, everything you need to you. How many people need some stuff added to you? Then all we have to do is become more focused on this kingdom. Lord, I give myself to you. See, think about this. Do you think, ask this question of yourself. Don't answer it out loud, all right? But ask this question of yourself. Am I thinking the same thoughts that God is? Is what I'm thinking about Monday through Saturday, because I know you're all thinking about God's thoughts right now in the service. I mean, there's, there's no way you're not doing that. But what I'm thinking about Monday through Saturday, is that the same things that God's thinking about? Or am I thinking about other stuff? And the truth be told, a lot of stuff, most of our life, we've been thinking about our stuff and going after our stuff. But if we'll get focused on him and his stuff, oh man, how things will change. And that's why we have a Holy Ghost weekend. Because it helps us to focus and make our priority Jesus instead of our priority ourselves. And when we seek him first, he's going to add. He's going to add. Does anybody receive? He's going to add to me because I'm going to go after him in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. So that's, next, that's this Friday at 6 p.m. Friday night prayer. Soul winning Saturday. Hallelujah. And Holy Spirit service on Sunday. Let's turn to Jeremiah 23, 29. Say this with me. The Word works. The Word works. Glory to God. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters the rock? We've been trying to get to this message for several weeks, but the Lord's had a specific uh, message for us. Today, we're talking about how to apply faith. What are the steps that we can apply faith? Anybody ever prayed over something and it didn't come to pass and you'd really like to see more of your prayers come to pass than what has happened in the past? Yeah, me too. Lord, and, and you know, God thinks the same thing. He says, I won't answer every one of your prayers. Now, sometimes our prayers have not been what God would be praying. That's a big chunk of the problem. We've been praying our own stuff, right? But then sometimes we don't know how to walk in faith. We don't know how to walk in hope. We don't know how to walk in, in the love of God. And these things shipwreck our faith. But we want to know how to walk in faith. Let me just ask them to get the uh, image ready of the triangle that has faith, hope, and love. And I want to show this to you again. So you know, in the word, I believe it's in Corinthians, it says this, 1 Corinthians, it says, faith works by love. There we go, we're getting to it. <laughs> faith works by love. There you go. So in other words, faith is supported by love. You take love out of faith, guess what doesn't work? Faith. 
Faith worketh by love. But then we also see in Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is the substance or the support of things hoped for. So, in, in other words, if I don't have hope in the equation, faith has nothing to support. Faith has nothing to bring into manifestation. Many people don't know what Bible hope is. We talked about it a little bit this morning, but many people don't understand that hope is not wishing and hoping. It's not luck, like what Pastor Nicole was saying. Hope is joyful, confident, expectation. Oh, something's going to change today when I pray. That's hope, right? And, and the devil can't beat you out of it, or your best friend, or your family member, right? They can't, they can't get you out of the joy. They can't get you out of the confidence. They can't get you out of the expectation. Joy, confidence, expectation, that's Bible hope. Well, if I don't have joy, confidence, and expectation, faith really doesn't have anything to manifest. So when you're believing for God to manifest something in your life, when you're believing for the Lord to manifest something, joy, confidence, and expectation, the hope of God ought to be there. It ought to be present. If it's not present, what is faith going to support? Not much. It's going to be like, faith's going to go to work, and there's going to be nothing. You know, imagine the Lion King with no little Simba. That's what your faith will look like, up on the rock. Everybody's sitting there, oh, look, look what faith's going to do. And, and you know, all the animals are jumping, going, blah, blah, and, and then all of a sudden, your faith's going to go, ah. Nothing there. That's what it's like if you don't know the promise of God. That's what it's like if you don't have hope. So many people, they're like, oh God, I just wish you'd help me, and I'm in faith. No, you're not. No, because hope is joy. You might be trying to apply faith, but it is not working for you in that moment. Oh, please help me. No, see, faith is, when we're applying faith, we have to understand that faith manifests and supports the things we hope for. The character and nature of God, He's a Savior. He saves me from everything I need saving from. And He's already done it and finished the work. Say it with me. It is finished. Oh, you, you just said a good thing. That's the same words Jesus said. It is finished. Is it? Is it finished in your heart and mind? When it gets finished, when your salvation from sickness, when your salvation from lack of fellowship with God, when your salvation from lack in your finances, when your salvation is finished in you, something happens. Something happens. And then all of a sudden, you say, Lord, I believe in you. I trust your word. I trust your promise. And all of a sudden, you go, oh, and faith goes, and here comes the manifestation. This is, this is how we need to learn how to apply faith. We have to know that the word works. And in Jeremiah 23, 29, it says this, that his word is like a, fam, uh, like a fire. I was in, putting fire and hammer. Hammer. All right, so uh, his, his word, this is why it's good to put your eyes on it sometimes, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. What does a fire do? It purifies. 
See, the Word of God will go into your life and it'll set on fire everything that's held you in bondage. The Word of God, this Word right here, it will go in and where you've had hard ground. See, many people, their life is destroyed because the seed of the Word hits their life, but they don't receive the Word. They've got hard ground. They have no roots. And when the storms come, they just get ate up and blown over. Right. But the word, when applied, will purify your life with the fire. It'll be like a hammer that breaks up all the strongholds that have been holding you back. It'll tenderize the soil of your heart. And then that word will be planted. It'll grow root. And the devil will come. He won't be able to blow you over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, this is God's plan. Amen. But look at this, Isaiah 55, 11. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it, this is God talking. Say this, this is God talking. This is God talking. Yeah. So will my word be. His word will be this. It will not return to me empty. Oh, it's not going to return empty. No, it's bringing something back. Yeah. It's bringing a manifestation. It's bringing a salvation. Yeah. It's bringing it. Amen. He says, it, my word will not return unto me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. In other words, the, he sent his word, his promises out there, and it's going to produce. Yeah. The question is, do we know it? Yes. And is it finished in our heart? Yeah. Is it, do we know Jesus as the one that we can trust above everything else? Lord, you said, I am the Lord that heals you, and you are the Lord that heals me. Right? Yeah. right? Do we know it? Is it finished in our heart and in our mind? Do we know that he said, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Do we know that? Is his word finishing its work in us? Or are we letting the word pass by us? Yeah. No, Lord, it's working in me. Anybody have that testimony today? It, your word is working in me. In the New Living, it says this. It's the same with my word. I send it out. And it always produces fruit. Glory to God. The word always produces fruit in us. It will accomplish all that I want it to do. The word will accomplish. Can you imagine that? Do you, do you really think that we have known the fullness of what God wanted to get done in us and through us? I mean, can we imagine his depth and height? and width of what he actually wants to do through us. Right. But look at this. It says, he says, it will accomplish all I want it to do. Yeah, this is a good confession. Lord, your word is accomplishing all you want it to do in me. Ooh. Yeah, amen. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. Everywhere. It's working in us, in Jesus' name. So we're looking at how do we apply faith. What does the Bible teach us about principles of applying faith? Of course, I've given you these notes. You can take them with them. I've actually added some things since you got them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that's why I gave you good notes because, you know, 
Stuff just keeps coming to me, and I want to share it with you. How to apply faith. Three basic steps, but the third step I'm going to go into a little bit more detail and break it down. The first, first three steps are know that you are saved and put on hope. This is on your notes. Two, see and deal with attacks quickly. Three, apply faith and patience. So the first step is this. Know that you are saved and put on hope. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of, of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What is God's desire for all men? For them to be saved. Didn't he tell us, pray, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So what's God's will in heaven? For us to be saved. Right? And what does that mean? Saved from what? Well, he's a savior. It means that he'll, what do you need saving? The better question is this, what do you need saving from? What do you need saving from? It's done. It is finished. It's done. It's finished. He's a savior. The word savior and to save means that he will save you from whatever you need saving from. And then on the cross he said it's finished. If you need saving from something, he'll save you from it. In that, there, there's basically six different elements of that salvation. Number one, the first thing is we needed to be saved from spiritual death. That spiritual death means that we were disconnected from a loving father. And Jesus became the way, the door that we walk through and are connected with spiritual intimate fellowship with the father again. The next thing is he wants to save you from all lack. All lack. He wants you to be in abundance for every good work. Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He wants to restore our mind. He wants us to be restored. In that word Savior, when it talks about Jesus is the Savior, in that word is the definitions of saving in these areas. Saving from spiritual death. Number two, He wants us healed. He wants us prosperous, so saving us from spiritual death, healed in our body, prosperous, restored to everything we need restoration from, delivered from every problem that could ever hold us in bondage, and protected. So he's given us new life, healed us, prospered us, delivered us, restored us, and protected us. All of this is supernatural protection, supernatural deliverance, supernatural restoration, supernatural healing, supernatural prosperity, supernatural relationship with God. How could it be anything else? You think you're just going to walk up to God and say, hey, Lord, uh, hey, I want to be buddies and pals and let's hang out, okay? Not how it works. You, you, you think... You, in your without Jesus' state, with all that corruption, just going to walk up to an all-holy, all-powerful God and just walk in His presence and walk out unaffected? Right. Hey, what's up? Yo, God, put it there. No. 
doesn't work like that. He said, I got to make you right. I got to give you my righteousness in 2 Corinthians 5. He saved us from our sin so that we could step back into the presence of God and be a part of the family and have his inheritance. He said, I'm going to make you righteous. I'm going to make you holy. And then you'll be able to walk in and out in the presence of God to spend time with him in intimate fellowship because in him, you live and move and have your being. Everything that you need, it's in him. You get in his presence, his holiness, his glory, his goodness starts solving issues. Boom, 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 boom. That's why if you, you're facing a problem, you just in the middle of your house start worshiping God. Oh, Father, I praise you. I thank you, Lord. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. I praise you, Lord. We enter his courts with praise. And we stay in the holy of holies through a worship. Lord, I just worship you. You step into his presence, all of a sudden the problems start going away. It's him. It's who he is. And, and why would problems go away in his presence? He's the Savior. Yeah. So step one in faith is know that you're saved already. Do you know it? When the problem comes up, are you looking at the problem or are you looking at the Savior who said, it's finished. I'm saved from anything. See, used to, Nicole and I, a problem would come up and we'd just be sitting there and we'd be like, oh God. What are you going to do with this problem? I sure wish this thing would go away. And we'd focus on how long it's been there and how long it's going to stay and will it go away. Yeah. And now the problem comes, tries to come knocking on the door and the first thing that we're like is like, ha, I wonder how long this one will be here. It's all, he's already given us the victory. We're saved already. It's finished. Right. I don't even know why you're trying, devil. I don't even know why you're trying. But try away, I needed to work out my muscles today. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Because I'm born of God. And anything that's born of God overcomes. You start knowing these scriptures and the devil puts pressure on you and what's in you comes out. We step into problems now knowing we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not, we're not setting up camp. No, we're going through. Some people, they like to camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. No, we're overcome. That's not God. He says, but thanks, 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be unto God, who always leads you in triumph, or in the King James, always causes you to triumph in Christ, and manifests through you the sweet aroma of the knowledge of a Savior, the knowledge of Him in every place. Do you know that He's a Savior? He says, here's my will, that every man would be saved. That's not just talking about going to heaven. He's the Savior. He wants to save you. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, say this with me. Say, eternal life. Eternal life. I'm in it now. I'm in it now. Are you in eternity? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's just going to give you life in the future? No, you're in eternity now. It's life to the full till it overflows right now. Yeah. What you waiting on? Because some preacher just kept talking about the sweet by and by, and you got sweet by and by in your heart and in your mind and in your song and in your mouth. And so, well, one day it'll get better. 
It's better right now. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, it's finished. What are we waiting on? I'm in eternity now. I have life and life to the full now. Why? Because I'm, I'm bold and arrogant? No, because I'm humble to what God said. That's humility. Verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved. Through him. Saved from what? Name it. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Find a promise in the Bible on it. He's your Savior. And it is finished. It is finished. So step number one is know that you're saved. I'm just giving, I mean, I, we could do a series on this one point. I'm just giving you a couple of scriptures. God wants you saved, and he's already done it. But it says, know that you're saved and put on hope. Because have you ever noticed in the middle of the problem, it's, it, the devil doesn't come and like just, he doesn't like, you know, with, with a bicycle pump like, oh, I'm going to strike you with this sickness or strike you with this lack. And, uh, and then the devil goes, oh, look, they're low on hope. Well, let, let me pump up their hope. You feel better? The devil don't do that. How you feel when a problem comes if left by yourself and without the word of God? Oh, God, are we going through this again? What does it, it say in Isaiah? The song says, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The reason the song says that is because in Isaiah it says, he's given us a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Well, have you ever noticed when you get up in the morning, men, that when you go to put on your coat jacket to come to church, and uh, it doesn't just jump on you all by itself. Ain't that something? You got to put that joker on. I mean, I've, you know, I don't know about you, but I'll try some stuff. You know, it's like, get on me. <laughs> My jacket has never responded. I got to walk over, take that joker off the hanger, if I had another one on, if I'm changing like from service to service, I got to take the old one off yep. and I got to put the new one on. Yeah. Whose job is it? Sure. To clothe myself with godliness. Yeah. It's ours. So why are you expecting that the devil's going to come pump you up with hope after he attacks you? And why are you expecting a corrupted world to just be like uplifting? That's not who it is. You, you, you think when you turn on the media and the news, you're going to walk away from that going, oh, glory to God. Oh, things are changing today. You're listening to the wrong voice. We got to put on hope. Put on hope. I'm saved. Well, then glory to God, I put on my salvation today and I put hope in my salvation. He, if you're sick, if you've been sick, Lord, I know you are the Lord who by your stripes you took on your back. 
I was healed. On that cross, you bore my sins and my sicknesses. You carried the weight already. I know that you're the one that took stripes for me. You're the one whose name said, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And you got to put that on. It's working. The virtue of God, the anointing of God, it's working in me today. No, no. Get it down deep on the inside of you. I'm the saved of the Lord. I am saved. And the word is working in me. I know I'm saved. And put hope on. Don't wait for it to jump on you. See, that's what a lot of times people have done. I've been that way too. Waiting on, like, oh God, when I get to feeling, you know, when I get to feeling better, I'll praise you. Ooh, that's not a good plan. That's a bad plan. The devil's got plays all worked out for that. Your playbook ain't working if that's your playbook. No. You know, it's like last week. Last week, y'all know, you, you were able to watch it. It's not, it's not like pastors don't get attacked. They probably get attacked more than you know. And, and a few of you, you stepped up into different levels of ministry, and uh, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this was real spiritual warfare. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, it's real. It's real. And, and so, you know, pastors get attacked. Well, last week, right before we have our big meeting, he jumps in, tries to irritate my sinuses. And I just said that week, Lord, we, don't, we shouldn't have allergy problems. I just said that. Just said it. The next day. And what does the word say? The enemy comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. See, that was the Holy Ghost speaking that word through me. And the question was, was I going to take that word and plant it? Or was I going to say, oh God, this happens every fall, every spring. It's been in my family for years, probably generations. My dad had it, I'll have it, my kids will have it. How many people ever heard somebody say that? Yeah. Do not raise your hand. We've been, we've been the ones we heard it coming out of our mouth. Don't raise your hand. Life is in what we confess, in the hope that manifests out of us. And you saw it last week. Man, I was having a hard time preaching. But I get up here. What happened even during the service? I put, on purpose, I put on hope. On purpose, I put on that salvation. And when we did the welcoming, I had to stop short because my throat cracked so hard I thought I was going to cry. I mean, my eyes watered and everything, and, and all of a sudden, I stopped short. No. And then what happened through the service? Oh, yeah. It got stronger and stronger and stronger. That, that anointing was working in me. What, what was I doing? And, and showing you exactly what to do. When you get attacked, you put on. That salvation. You put on hope in that salvation. Know that you're saved. The next morning that stuff had broke. Why? It it was working in me the whole time. That anointing was working in me the same way it will work in you. Because God's not a respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of faith. Faith will make him stop in his tracks and do something. Faith will turn him. But it's got to be faith. See a lot of times we're just sitting there going... 
Well, if he heals me, then I'll just praise God for it. He knows what's best for me. That's not faith. That's wishing. And the Bible doesn't say, well done, good and faithful wisher. The Bible doesn't say that without wishing, it's impossible to please God. It says without faith. Without faith, it's impossible. We got to know that we're saved. And we got to put on the hope of that salvation. Or else the love, put that, put that back up here. That if we don't put on faith and put on hope, love will be there. But there'll be nothing to manifest. Love will be there. Love's there. God's made his love there. But whose job is it to hear that love and walk in that love and apply faith and hope? Ours. God's already poured out his love and said it's finished. But if we don't put faith, there'll be no hope to manifest, to support. So step one, know that you're saved. Know that you're saved. And put on hope. Step number two. I can tell you right now, keep these for next week. <laughs> keep these notes. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get through all of them. But we got to them. We, 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 we got started. It's an amazing thing. We got in them. Step two. See and deal with attacks quickly. Uh, years ago, I was doing a series on... Now, one of the things that we're doing, by the way, is we're taking each one of these steps and breaking them down. We've already started and gotten through them on the broadcast every day at noon. Uh, what's the word? Uh, you're seeing that. We're going to go into each one of these in detail. And uh, so if you want to hear more on that, that's going to be on the daily broadcast on Lunch Plus. So see the attacks and deal with them quickly. So one thing that's important, years ago I was doing a series on healing and uh, speaking at a church in Terrell, South Carolina, uh, and I, the Lord instructed me to do a teaching on the ABCs of healing and uh, of divine health, talking about divine health. And one of the things that he gave me in that uh, series while I was teaching it was if I you know, was a kid and I took a, a mud ball, right, and I took that mud ball and I threw it up on that white wall, and it stuck to that wall, right? Besides mama beating my butt, um, it would stick to that wall. Yeah, so kids don't do that, apparently. That's, that's mom giving good, wise advice to all the kids that may be listening to this. So don't throw mud on the wall. Amen. But the devil will do that to your life all the time. And the Lord said this, you know, if you... You know, let that mud dry. Literally, the mud could kind of bond to the paint and bond to the wall. And when you go to get it off, not only is it going to mess, it's probably going to be a stain. It's probably going to pull paint and chips out of it and everything else. But if you'll deal with it as soon as it gets there, it's a lot easier to handle. And that's the way it is with any lack that's in our life. If you'll deal with it, recognize it, and deal with it immediately then it'll, it'll be a lot easier to deal with. Deal with it quickly. But see, what I found in our life is that many times we're going through life and the world has taught us so much 
that we are not saved and that these things of the curse are actually normal. You know, sinuses every spring and fall, you know, things like that. Well, it's flu season. Not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. What, you think up in heaven they're having flu season going and giving out shots at the local holy CVS? He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not your will be done on earth as it is in earth. This earth is under a corruption because of the sin of man. But you're not of this world. You're in this world, but not of this world. That's what believers are supposed to know. But the world has taught us that all these things, are, they're just normal. And here's the question. What's normal? What the world has taught us? Or this, every promise, he says, in me is yes and amen. Yes and so be it. I'm the Lord that heals thee. You, you think his character changed? He's still the healer, the same healer that healed them all. He's the healer today. He's still the same Savior today. But see, the world has taught us that it's normal. I notice that in, in many times when Nicole and I missed it, and it took us a long time to get salvation working in our finances or in our health or in whatever area it was, it was because we didn't recognize it and deal with it quickly. Two different things. Learn to see it quickly. Learn to see it quickly. Now, it's my understanding, I've never worked in a bank, but it's my understanding that when they train you on counterfeit, Jade has, uh, is this true? Uh, when they learn and train you on counterfeit, that they really train you to recognize the original. You got to know what the original looks like because they could teach you all the different counterfeit things, but those things can change. But if you know the original bill, the original word, the original promise so good that when the counterfeit comes in front of you, You'll instant, you'll quickly say, oh, that's, something's wrong with this. See, that's the way. We need to be in the promises of God. He says, meditate on my law day and night. And, then, and, and the word says, and to meditate means to murmur it. We're confessing those promises. We're confessing those, those words day and night. See, when you start confessing, you start to realize this is, this is different. Let's get those seven confessions ready. And I want to see that. The Lord seems to be kind of hovering around confessing and speaking the right thing. It's very important. He sent his word and healed them. We need to be putting his word. Doesn't he say we need to put his word in our mouth? We need to put his word in our eyes. This is something we need to be working on on a regular basis. Lord, let me think your word, your promises, your goodness. Let me meditate on that word. Let me speak your word. Let me hear your word. Let me see your word. Let me live in your word because yeah. your word is working in me. Amen. But it won't work in you if you don't have it in you. So many times, we, I noticed with Nikona, we did not recognize that it was an attack till it had been going on for a while. And generally it was, you know, what we were willing to put up with, we would walk in. And at some point, we got very unwilling to put up 
with any garbage from the devil. But see, a lot of people have heard that this is normal. Oh, well, that, it's flu season. and just using that. Oh, well, you know, the first years of your marriage is just going to be tough and you'll just have to get through it because, you know, you just don't have much financially in those years, and, but at least you love each other. Yeah, that's, that's not a scripture. That's no scripture. Well, I'm supposed to put more faith in what you just said than I do in the Bible? Who says, Beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, that even in a famine Isaac sowed, and that year he reaped a hundredfold. You're the Lord who gives me an abundance for every good work, so I guess just in the first years of marriage, you're just not going to do very much. Oh, no, no. He's calling for us to be fruitful all the time. How can I be fruitful and do every good work How can that be possible if I'm living in lack and not abundance when he says in 2 Corinthians 9, it's in abundance that you'll do every good deed, every good work. See, we don't know enough of the word, and so when the devil throws something else, we're like, well, that's life. No, that's corrupted world. Life is life to the full till it overflows, John 10.10. That's life. Life is what it looks like in heaven that I'm supposed to pray and manifest it here on the earth as an ambassador of God. The pastor? No, all of us, believers. Believers do this. They manifest. And then all of a sudden, when you start to manifest, go to uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. When you start to manifest these good things, it has an effect. What effect, you say? Well, let's just read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, or I beg you in the King James, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, you present yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, Whatever needs to be changed in me, change me. My thinking, the core of who I am, Lord, change me. Verse 2, look at this. He says, and do not be conformed. Now that word conform means to be pressed into, like pressed into a mold, right? Like if you can imagine a mold, have you ever seen a brick uh, factories? In, in like a third world, they have these wooden molds and they'll take that, that clay and they'll throw it down in that mold and it'll form these bricks and they all look the same. Yeah. And, and that's what the devil wants. He wants you to just be another brick in the wall. Literally, I mean, Pink Floyd yeah. sang about it, but it is, that's what the devil's, like the devil had the plan the whole time. It was right out in front of everybody. He literally, and, and that's actually very biblical Okay, all right, Lord. So you go over into Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2, and it starts talking about you are living stones. Listen to this. Living stones, choice and precious. God chose you. You're not just another brick in the wall like the Tower of Babel. See, they, they, the world 
builds up things for itself for their own glory. God says, I'll build you, each one of you individual, and you'll fit together so precious, I'll choose you. You're not just mass-produced. I will choose you. I will be the master craftsman. You will be my workmanship. You will be my craftsmanship. You will be my masterpiece. You are choice and precious. That's the love of God. But see, what the world will do is it'll take you and it'll mold you so that everybody looks the same. Might even try to put a mask on you. So you can't tell who's who. I'm so sick of that garbage. I'm you you mm. we'll move on. The devil wants us all just to be worth the same as everybody else. Socialism. And let me tell you, let me, let me just throw this out there. In Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, when they had all things together and nobody had any lack, that was not socialism. That is not socialism. See, socialism tells you what to do. That was the Holy Ghost writing it on their hearts in love, and they wanted to do that. See, you take away the authority of a government and socialism, the people won't do that. But if you took away the authority of a government, you could change whatever you want to. The people still want to do what they did in Acts 2, 3, and 4. That wasn't socialism. That was the love of God in manifestation. That's the way it's supposed to be. Totally different. Totally different. Why? The source is different. The source of how, why, and what you're doing. It's all different. That's why it's not. Totally different. But the devil wants to conform you, going back to that verse, verse 2. And don't be conformed, pressed into the mold of the world, the world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And I want you to see this. When we give ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, change me. Make me who you want me to be. Change my way of thinking. See, a lot of us, a lot of us, I would say every single one of us, we still have thoughts that the world has taught us. We need to take those thoughts, lay them on the altar of God, and let the fire of God burn up what's not Him. Let the hammer of God crush the strongholds in that thinking. And what survives the altar of God, survives the fire, survives the crushing, the purity of God will come out, and that's how we'll walk. But then we need to let it change us. We can't just amen it. Oh, glory to God. You know, we can't just amen it. We've actually got to let it change us. We have to let it change us. That's why every day that you come in here, you should not leave the same. You should be going out that door saying, what am I going to change today? What, what just changed in me today? What, how is my life changing based off of the seed of the life-giving word that I just heard? See, a lot of times the church is set back, amen, check the box of being there, but they haven't allowed the word to transform them, and then there's something that happens. We stop producing approving of the gospel. We have, we have a great you know, testimony just in, in here, just how it runs in families, and all, all of a sudden you know, the power of God, the anointing of God goes in and changes somebody. 
And then other people and family members take note, like, what is that? You know, you've said it yourself. You're here because it wasn't because you agreed with me at the beginning. And it's true. Matter of fact, he was like, probably, I, I, I'm going to put words in his mouth. You don't have to shake your head or not. But he was probably thinking, I don't rightly like that guy at all. And I really didn't like what he had to say about that. Now, he never told me that, but that's okay. You won't be the first nor the last, if that's true. But he couldn't deny the fruit of the love of God and what it was doing. And, when, and that's exactly what this verse says. Don't be molded into the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then when you're transformed and let the word of God change you, wash over your heart, you'll start to carry a proof on you. You'll be like a spiritual magnet. People will be like, what is going on with you? What's going on with you? Something's different. Actually, you'll be like, something's different. People say that to you. Something's different. Something, like... Hope has started, like, why are you so hopeful? This is the word. In Peter it says, you must be ready to give an account for the hope that's within you. Because when the word of God actually, you give place to the word and not the world, all of a sudden hope will start to spring up in you. And people notice. And you've got to be ready to tell them why you're different. Why there's a proof. And what kind of proof? It says, you will start to prove that God's will is good. People will look at your life and say, man, God's will is good. Wow, how can they walk in that blessing? That's that's a part of God's evangelistic plan. That your life goes up. And the world, see, the world doesn't care anything about your morality. Well, why do you do that? Because it's in the Bible. And the world's like, I could give a rip. Because it's in the Bible. What does that mean to them? They're not born again. They don't know the love of God. But what are they interested in? They want their life to go up. So when they see your life go up, they're like, well, what are you doing? That they're interested in. Well, God knew that. He knew where where the world would be. So he said, let me tell my people to be transformed by the renewing of the washing of the water of the word. And when that happens, their life will start to prove that God's will is good. And, And you'll say, how is this working for you? And you'll say, God is good. And they might not receive it the first time, but the seed's planted. And here's what'll happen eventually. God's will is good. I always heard that he was a jerk and a bully. What is he talking about? And it'll start to crack the shell that a corrupted world has formed around them. The next thing it says, you'll prove, and I'll I'll skip to the the third part and then go back to the second. It says, you'll, you'll prove that God's will is perfect. And then it says, you'll prove that God's will is acceptable. Like, it's worthy of accepting. God is so good. His will is worthy of accepting. 
See, once you allow the Word of God to start working in your life and transform your mind, then when the stuff comes, you'll recognize it quickly. And then the Word says this in the Scripture I gave you, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. One of the things it says is, flee youthful lust. In other words, run. Run from it. You know, if you're walking through life, do-do-do-do-do, and, and all of a sudden you're like, youthful lust. Now, a lot of people, they go right sexual, but I'm not just talking about that. How about lack of faith? That's an immature lust for the things of the flesh. How about if you see somebody that's not walking in faith, not walking in hope, joy, confidence, expectation? They're not, that, that's a youthful immaturity. And here's what the Bible says. I'm walking through life, and I see that thing. Oh, ah! Run! We can do it again if you want. Try to. <laughs> Let that be a lesson. Let that be a lesson. Can the devil still find you on the screen of his plan? Or has your fleeing of the youthful lust gotten you out of his picture and out of his sight? See, many times we come up to that same area and we're sitting there like, oh, hey, youthful us, how you doing? All right, yeah. Good to see you. And we start flirting with it. Hanging out with it. Instead of dealing with it. And we'll just sit there. And all of a sudden we wonder why we get, oh, why is this life not working out? Because you're dealing with depression. You're talking with it. You're talking with all of the wrong things. You're hanging out with it. Becoming friends with it. No, we got to flee it. Now let, let me just say this. What are we fleeing? We are fleeing ungodly things. So when the attack, the ungodly attack comes, don't hang around it. Deal with it. Recognize it and deal with it. Quickly. Recognize it and deal with it quickly. One of the things that's interesting, and I want you to see this. What does the devil do? Now you got to understand, he's not going to win and, he, and he's really an idiot, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have some things figured out. I mean, who goes up against Almighty God, first of all? Yeah. He, he, that was idiotic. Right? And I don't want to give him any credit. But, but he has been watching humanity for 6,000 years and he's seen your personality before and he knows what makes you tick for the most part. Right. And, he, and he does make a good adversary. And here's one of the things that he does. What happens when you hear the seed of the word? Uh, in the parable of the sower, it says the devil comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. Well, flip that. Oh, I see an attack. I'm going to deal immediately with that. Because I'm a good enemy of the devil. And I'm not going to play around with it. I'm not going to let a seed of an attack find fruitful attack soil in me. I'm going to make myself infertile soil to the seed of any curse. No more curse in me. It won't find root in me. 
It'll get blown away just as quickly as it comes up. Because I'm not going to be in that position anymore. Third thing is, apply faith and patience. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Third step, apply faith and patience. It says, be imitators of those or follow those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Many times people will be in faith on Sunday morning, but they lose faith before they walk out the door or they lose faith before they come back the next Sunday. Uh, They'll start in faith, but then they'll drop faith. God says you want to follow those who are faith people. Is that correct? Would that be right context? If they're not faith people, you don't want to follow. He says only follow these. Those who through faith. And patience. You want a a people that knows how to stand in faith. And not let go of faith. Hold on to it. And you want people who know how to see the manifestation, who who are inheritors. So see, if you got ministers and pastors and even spiritual leaders in your life, but they never have any manifestation, that's the exact people God does not say to hang around. The people He does say to hang around and to follow and do what they do are the ones who are in faith, who will stand, who will stay in faith, they're in patience, and who actually inherit. So I could be up here every Sunday talking about healing, but if you never saw any healing happening, you never saw any miracles, you never saw any financial increase, and yeah, there'll be attacks that the devil throws, and in this world you'll have persecution. That's really people talking about you more than it is the devil's attack. But the question is, do you have an inheritance of the promises of God? So if I talked about it all day long, but you never saw it, and then let's say that I'm talking about healing, 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 and then all of a sudden Buddy needs a healing in his life, and I say, well, you know, sometimes God does and sometimes he doesn't. That's hypocritical. And I'm not going to see a regular inheritance or a manifestation. So it doesn't matter what kind of words are just being said on Sunday. They're important. But what's really important is do the words match what I'm living and the inheritance, the fruit. God is big on fruit. And as believers, we need to be big on fruit. It's really good for us to look into our lives and say, am I producing the fruit, the things of the kingdom? Winning souls, making disciples, moving in power, healing and miracles, walking in supernatural revelation, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, walking in the fruit of the Spirit, a changed heart, mind, and character, letting the Word transform me. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, I put on the fruit of the Spirit, and then the, the dude in front of you at the stoplight doesn't pull off under your time limit. If you're still working on that, don't get the boomerang sticker for the back of your car. Just wait till you got that buried with the old man, okay? All right, good. It's funny when I say that, how many people, their their spouses look. It's always funny to watch that. 
How about this? The fruit of the Spirit. Let's hear the song, Deb. Love, joy. <laughs> Love. Did you know, listen to this, did you know that there was a poll done not too long ago and the number one thing that people said was missing from the church? Love. That hurts. That's why even in our vision, a house of love. A house of love. Because even if we're not at the fullness of it yet, we're, going, we're con continuously moving towards that in faith and patience. We will inherit a house of love. House of love and prayer. Living in abundance, winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. Joy. Most churches you go into, oh, oh yes, we love God. We love God. He is our Father. And, and if you, I could like take a picture on any Sunday morning, what you would see staring back at you is not joy. Yeah. Lemon face, maybe, but not joy. And dear God, somebody grabs your seat. <laughs> well, that is my seat. Sometimes as a pastor, I think it's just fun to be like, Hey, how you doing? Good to see you there, Chris. Yeah, come on, come on. You're, you're going to sit over here. Yeah, you're going to sit right there and just see how they respond. If I did that to some people, even in this church, you'd be like, oh, how dare you move me out of my seat. Joy. I'm so glad you're in joy. <laughs> if you weren't, then I'd have to like keep preaching on this. <laughs> Get you free. Joy. Peace. As Brother Tracy was saying, peace is a weapon. What did yeah. he say to that storm? Yeah. Peace. What did they say to the houses that they go to and visit? Peace. On this house. What did every book. Pretty much in the New Testament. Almost every single one of them. Start out with. By the Holy Ghost. Peace and grace be multiplied to you. Peace. Man you know. As a pastor. Maybe y'all just haven't had those phone calls. When the congregants. You know accidentally butt dial you. And what's coming out of the speaker. Is not peace. I can't tell you. I've, I've had people walking, and, and they're, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I am a person of faith, hope, and love. And then they call me on Wednesday morning. You know, that day, they didn't even know I called them. They called me, and, I, and it's like, so I got a beautiful boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't need discernment for what spirit they were operating in that morning. But peace was not that spirit. And we want to put on. Stop putting on. Let's just grow up. Let's make it real. 
fruit of the Spirit, not goals of the Spirit. Not a road sign of the Spirit. Oh, yeah, I'm going by peace right now. How about taking the exit and staying there for a while? (laughs) Hang out. Go get a coffee in the city of peace. (laughs) Let it get into you. Drop by joy on the way out because, dear Lord, you need some. (laughs) And I want your joy to be full so that mine can be full. Please. <laughs> Fruit, gentleness, self control. Patience, long suffering. This is supposed to be in every believer. All us. Not just this us. All of us. All the time. Not just when we feel good. This, this is a fruit. God, He's really big, 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 big about fruit. And here's the thing. When we don't walk in the fruit, guess what's affected? Our conscience. Guess what will break faith? Our conscience. When our conscience is offended, I know I've not been living in the fruit of the Spirit. I know I haven't been. I know I haven't been giving what I was supposed to give and offering. My conscience, the Lord's been telling me to give this and I haven't done it. And all of a sudden, our conscience is affected, then we pray for healing, and it doesn't work, and we want to blame God like he's holding it back. He's not withholding any good thing, is what the Word says, and the Word works. He's not withholding any good thing. God's not holding that healing back. We're the hang-up. It is finished. His salvation is finished. When we apply faith, we must know that we're saved and put on hope. We must recognize the attack quickly and deal with it quickly. And the third step, we must apply faith and patience. This is the beginning. We'll go into how to apply that faith and patience in detail. Maybe next week. I'm hoping next week. That's probably a worldly wishing kind of hoping. We'll see. But Father, we just received your faith and patience and your love, your hope today. Father, let breakthrough come today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You can go back to your seat if you want, or you can sit there. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 